Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Happy Tuesday, everyone. Um, I, I found this little snippet uh, online uh, yesterday and immediately sent it to Russ, who thought it was pretty funny. And it's typical of Buffalo how things here, little things, little minor things bother people. Mm-hmm. Um, in spite of the fact that the anchor bar is crap, the you know, Buffalo takes an inordinate pride in being the home of the chicken wing. Mm-hmm. Um, and the preferred sauce for the chicken wing is Frank's red hot sauce, which is excellent. Yeah. According I'm not a fan, but that's okay. Well, it's yeah, okay. Yeah. Everybody has their taste. This is going so, into pizza territory. Yeah. No, it's not. Not yet. No, 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 not pizza. Although so, I got to say, Ty Anderson looked like he was eating a pizza with pineapple on it today and he posted it on Twitter and you know what? He's got no taste buds. Hey, Wait, it was are, you a sure, are you sure it was pizza? Hawaiian pizza? Yeah, are you sure it was pizza or was it like Odell Beckham and it was actually something else? No, no, this was this was <laughs> on Ty's account. I don't know. No, no, no. I, I not with with Ty with Ty. I know it's pizza. With Odell, it's definitely yeah. We don't know. Else. We don't know. Yes. Yeah. Good luck with that contract, Odell. Um. So, yeah. <laughs> so anyway, Frank's Red Hot Sauce has a has a Twitter account, and they send out. And I don't know what day it was, but they, they send out a uh, a tweet regarding it being, and you know there, there are these like days days of the year like it's you know International Women's Day or this day or that day, and apparently it was some sort of ranch dressing day. And they said, hey, uh, two peas in a pod, buffalo wings and ranch dressing. Okay, here problem one: nobody in Buffalo and nobody with a self-respecting love of chicken wings, calls chicken wings buffalo wings. They're chicken wings or they're wings. They're not buffalo wings. Mm-hmm. Wing, buffaloes don't – buffalo or bison don't have wings. Uh, the second thing is the preferred dipping sauce is blue cheese. It's always been blue yeah. cheese. Now, people <laughs> use ranch, and they're free to, and they use other things, and that's fine. So Mike is allowing you to use ranch in case you want to, people. Not allowing. It's not like I, de- I deem that you should use ranch dressing. I mean, that's what no. you're making it sound. You're like, no, well, I'm, I'm allowing I'm No, but uh, this – raised- part of the chicken wing. Yeah, this raised a bit of a hubbub in Buffalo because and, and uh, essentially there was <laughs> it got to the point where they were talking about boycotting Frank's Red Hot Sauce because of <laughs> because of the use of buffalo wings and the and and ranch dressing and then they did sort of a mea culpa on uh, on Monday and said there is no national blue cheese dressing day but we should we should get something started and we basically we apologize to Buffalo for uh in, insulting their sensibilities. <laughs> so, I mean, I thought it was, I thought it was pretty funny. But being it's so funny, awesome. I look, I get it. They they take it seriously. Like I told Mike offline, here ranch is offered as a dipping. Like I personally don't like blue cheese, but I can eat them plain. But I have gotten used to eating them with some ranch. But I get it. Like it's a staple there, and that's you know yeah. we we've been in other places where 
to basically say, and I'm trying to think of the equivalent, like if you were going to order American cheese in Philly with a cheese steak, not cheese whiz, but like plain old American cheese, they'll look at your cross-eyed. They'll give it to you. Yeah. But they're like, what are you doing? Well, John Kerry learned that lesson in 04 because yeah. he went he went and ordered a ordered a hoagie in Philadelphia and asked for Swiss cheese. And they looked at right. him like he was an effete snob. And right. he is. And he is. So, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, although Russ, you know what, honestly, I, I can't do cheese whiz. I hate cheese whiz. I would, I like, either. It's plastic. I would ask for provolone or something I like that. Yeah. You got, I, I tell you, I love my American friends, but your weird food things are just so weird. Like, it's just like, but I, you know what? They're, they're so regional though. That's the yes. thing, right? They're no, so no. regional and, and it's fun to listen to because Canada is such a, a like a, a horizontal country. Yeah. And everything's sort of departmentalized across the country in these different sort of silos up down where you are horizontally, where you guys are all over the map and you have all these different variations and nuances, yeah. particularly with food. We're just not like that. It's like so clear cut. Yeah. Well, I mean, nobody's as, nobody's as weird as I am because I, I have this thing, like everybody loves French fries and most people love for life. Well, what's that? What's that? I said, I'm quoting you on that for life. Yeah, there you go. Mo most people love French fries, and most people who eat French fries love ketchup. I hate ketchup. I can't stand it. I can't, I, I hate ketchup. I hate no, mustard. No, I, I know. I know some people who are like that. They're yeah. strange as well. But you know, you're not alone. They're <laughs> strange. Yeah. I mean, I like my preferred. I, I you know, and, and it probably goes along with with uh, with the chicken wings. Is when I order when I order French fries, they, uh, it's I, I ask for a side of blue cheese, and I get I put vinegar on them. Oh, so, so I. So I, one of my. Yeah. All time favorite restaurants is no longer there in Vancouver because real estate's so goofy, and basically you can't afford to own a restaurant there anymore. Um, this place called the Red Onion, and in high school we used to get baskets of fries. No one put ketchup near them. Because they made a garlic dill sauce okay. that was to die for for dipping it, and that's what it—you got extra garlic dill, and it was fabulous. You know that, that makes sense. Yeah, that, yeah. Now that I that I would go for, but I, I don't know what the hell it was like in my in like when I was you know in the womb or or like when I was a kid. But I can't stand ketchup. I can't stand like I go to a I go to a ball game for a hot dog. And I, I, first of all, I prefer the kosher beef hot dog mm -hmm. over like the regular, regular hot dogs. And I, the only thing I'll put in on the, on it is like some onions. I won't put ketchup or mustard or relish or anything. Look, ketchup on a hot dog is basically, you might as well just throw it in the garbage once you've added ketchup <laughs> to a hot dog, but, but mustard or like, but a spicy mustard is absolutely essential. Onions. Yes. Relish for sure. And if you're really getting serious and, and you're not, even if you're not having a smoky sauerkraut works as well, but you put ketchup on, yeah. you just, you just leave. Like well, you're probably going to drink light beer too. That's the, that's the, pro, that's the problem is that and most ballparks. Yeah, I'm a mustard guy I, I, and I like different types of mustard, but usually the brown mustard and I can most, do onions too. Most and speaking most, of mustard, oh, sorry. I was going to say, if you're going to get into mustard and talk about the value of mustard, no one is allowed to talk about mustard and pretzels until you've been to New York City because after that it's all shut down. You don't have you have no street cred if you're going to try and say, "Oh, you can get a good pretzel and mustard anywhere other than New York." Sorry, that's the end of the discussion. But mo I was going to say mo most Wait, other than New York? No, any well, no, if you're outside New York, don't bother. 
No, that's not true. The Philly pretzel is better than the New York pretzel. It most, is. most, yeah, I can't. Most, I haven't been to Philly, so I can't say. Okay. Most ballparks have sweet the the sweet relish, yeah. and I can't. And I the, what, is, what is it? Bread and butter, I think they call it. Yeah, yeah. it's gross. It's gross. Bread I, and butter pickles. I could go with dill dill relish if if, if I absolutely had to, but I, I so anyway. Anyway, let's By get the way, off. The I wanted to tell Peter from what I could tell, Nick Patan's family restaurant is still going strong it's somewhere in the vancouver area but it might be just outside it and that's probably why oh really i didn't know we had a family restaurant there yes oh i gotta do some research i'm going out to vancouver in about a month and a half so i might have to explore this i think it's outside it though i think it's like surrey or yeah. something oh, oh okay. god better safe than surrey <laughs> ow jeez um <laughs> uh, so no uh, now peter you you said uh, you, you said something about uh, richard sherman's contract so, in san francisco as a as a as a seahawks fan died in the wool and um you know and and bleeding bleeding blue and green you know watching what's happening to the team is basically just ripping my soul out right now but there's an interesting piece on what happened with richard sherman's contract and the san francisco 49ers and I think, and I'm not going to really get into the nitty gritty of it. I've got it pulled up and I can read some of the things, but um, Peter King on the Monday morning quarterback talked about it and how this is an insanely good deal for the 49ers. And one thing that came out that wasn't available until this is presented or late on Sunday was that Sherman represented him himself. Mm -hmm. The last player I am aware of doing this was Donald Brashear in Vancouver when he negotiated a deal for, and I'm sure others have done it. I'm yeah, Dom, who, Dominic who, who, Moore. Dominic Moore did it this year with the Leafs. And Dominic Moore comes from a family of lawyers, though. Yeah. And I, I'll I've got stories about them off air. Uh, anyways, so um, Brashear did this, and he he did, and he made one mistake on it. It was right in the change when all the um, contracts were being. Uh, done in American dollars and he forgot oh, to no. put that clause in. So he did it in Canadian dollars and it was a one year deal and he bet on himself. He ended up making some more and, and stuff. Anyways, Sherman Sherman's deal is exactly why players should have agents. And when we gripe about the deals, GMs in the NHL sign, the reason that they have to deal with these things is they're going up against people who know what they're doing. Right. And it's, we can't just go and hold a gun to GM's heads and say, why did you sign that? Because there is a shark on the other side of the table who mm -hmm. is representing this player and is going through these contracts. So if you're someone who hates Andrew Ladd's deal, there's a reason why it exists the way it exists. Mm -hmm. The David Clarkson one is another prime example of when maybe a GM needs to step away and revisit the deal and stuff. It, yeah. The point is it's a complicated process and every team has a deal you don't like. And then you get into the deals and you see something. This article really illustrates how valuable agents are, what they do and how they sort out the mess in the best interest of the player. And it's a two way street and it's easy to forget that. Well, well I mean, best example is Mike yesterday talking about Todd Walker and um, Neil Walker, sorry, Neil Walker. Neil Walker and um, basically saying, why did the Mets pay him 17 million last year? And I said, because it was a player option. They didn't have a yeah. choice. If Walker wanted to be there, all he had to do was make the option, uh, you know, just press the button on it, so to speak. And he did. Now, I, I want to get back to the contract thing, but let's start the show. And we'll, start we'll, the show. we'll yeah. Uh, Hello, Hockey World. Today is Tuesday, March 13th, 2018. 
Hi, I'm Peter Tessier from Winnipeg. I'm Russ Cohen from Sportsology. And I'm Michael Agello, and this is the Hockey Buzzcast here on HockeyBuzz.com. Um, we'll talk about Alex Ovechkin and his 600th goal and a few other things uh, in some ga- related to the games last night. But I just wanted to continue the conversation about contract, but bringing it back to the NHL. The Clarkson deal was one of the first ones. I don't, I don't think it was the first, but it was one of the first ones that had the heavy signing bonus uh, on there. And a lot of people con- uh, at that time – believed that that contract was sort of buyout proof because of it. And that that's the thing. It's, it's buyout proof in the sense that you don't get a good cap. You don't get great cap relief because the, the buyout is based on the, not the total salary, but on the, uh, on the salary minus the bonus. So with, with uh, Clarkson, I believe like say his, his uh, AAV was five and a quarter million uh for like four and a quarter of that was always bonus that got paid on July 1st. So if you went to buy him out, you would only be pay, buying out with the percentage of whatever nine, you know, uh, whatever the million two thirds of a million for the number of years. It, it, and the bonus would still be on the cap. And, and that, and that, that was the thing. Now Toronto got around that by, trading it to Columbus because uh, he was on a long-term injury. They took Nathan Horton back and Clarkson's contract had insurance on it for his injury, but Horton's did it. So they didn't. So they, they sort of lucked out because that was sort of the, uh, I believe it was uh, Yarmo Kekalainen who approached Toronto about that. So it wasn't, they sort of lucked out in the sense that they, they had the ability to take on a contract, even though it didn't have insurance, and they were made of money, so they could pay for that one. But yeah, after the, that, the, the net, yeah. I was going to say the net gain for the Leafs is that they can they the cap relief they got from Horton's contract without insurance didn't matter to they needed the cap relief, right? And paying the extra four and a half or whatever is five and a half million a year for them didn't matter to their books. It you was know, sunk, the, it was sunk money. Yeah. The first signing bonus I can remember in the NHL, and I could be wrong was when Gretzky signed with the Rangers, they gave him like a $2 million signing bonus. So this way he wouldn't be making more per year than Messier. And that's how they sort of got past the ego part of it. Right. And, and you know, that was in an uncapped world, but that was also probably the start of it there. Clearly it had been happening in other sports. Well, but, you know, I also yeah. went back and looked. In 1990, Mario Lemieux was the top paid NHLer with a salary of $2 million. Yeah, it was insane, <laughs> And, see, and and that's the thing. I mean, we're we're seeing it now. What's going on in the NFL? We're not going to talk NFL, but I'm just saying, referencing it. You can see what's going on now today with these contracts that are being signed, like Kirk Cousins' contract. Where I mean, the NFL had the had the had the uh, the one up on all the other professional leagues because they didn't have guaranteed contracts. Well, now, just like the NHL was using signing bonus as a little enticement to get players to sign. The the NFL is using guaranteed contracts. So now Kirk Cousins signs a three-year deal with with, uh, with the uh, Minnesota Vikings today, or he's going to sign it, and he's getting everything guaranteed. So now the NFL is on that slippery slope. And we've seen deals past the Clarkson deal uh, where – uh, you know, there have been increasing signing, not not to the extent of him, but there have been contracts with sig- significant signing bonus, 
and that that could be a problem for these teams down the line. With Toronto, they were able to get out of it, but with some other contracts, like all those free agents from a couple years ago, the you know the, I think Lucci just heavy signing bonus. I think Opozo is yeah. heavy signing bonus. Those are going to be trouble contracts for Edmonton and Buffalo if you know things don't improve for those players a couple years down the road. Oh, absolutely, and yeah. and. You know, and it's going to be a trend too. And, and I, you know, and I think we also know that this is probably going to be one of the contentious issues in the next CBA agreement, yes. but who wants to talk about that right now? Because that's no, just no, a big no. thing. We'll, we'll, we'll be, we'll deal with that in 2019 and 2020. Cause that, yeah. I think that's going to be a daily occurrence, unfortunately. Okay. Let's, oh. let's, let's, let's talk about some of the games last night. Um, start off with the, the game in, in Washington. I watched a lot of this game, Peter. I know you did uh three, two capitals victory. Uh, over the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, Hollabuck played great in that game, but I have to say, and you know, he's he's an excellent def- or he's a excellent player, but Dustin Bufflin is a terrible defensive defenseman. He cannot he his impulse control and some and his decision making yeah. are are really bad. And last night he cost them a point. Not that it, I think it's going to matter to the Jets, but in overtime after a penalty, it's four on four. Then it becomes three on three. Winnipeg is in in the Washington zone for one of the first times in overtime, and Bufflin makes the decision at the blue line to essentially pinch, and Kuznetsov flips it by him, and he goes in on Hollabuck and scores the winner. Bufflin can't do that. He just can't. You know what, Mike? That play has been analyzed to death in the last 20 hours in Winnipeg, and there are so many aspects to it that you – you can't pin it all on on Bufflin. No. Where I was more upset with Bufflin was the second Ovechkin goal, mm. where Hellebuck is basically stopping everything on his stomach across the crease, lying there, stacking pads, and Bufflin's on one knee trying to willy-nilly whack the puck away from Ovechkin. And it's like, dude, knock him to the ground. Just stand in front of him. You're a, you're a wall compared to anything. But no, he was, that's where I get a little nuts of Bufflin is sometimes in front of his own net, he just loses track of what he should do. Like for when he does use some brute force, like in Philly, he did get a call against him. So he's probably not afraid to do it, but probably trying to pick spots because he doesn't want to get penalized and hurt his team. I think that's unfortunate, but that's what it is because he's so much stronger than guys that I think Bufflin has that following him. Yeah. So you break down that play. There's so much in this that is is a problem for the Jets. First of all, Bufflin, Wheeler, and Little. Little took a very dumb penalty to start overtime. They gave gave them a he shouldn't have been on the ice. That should have been enough right there. Wheeler and Bufflin had also killed the penalty. Bufflin was now over three minutes at the time of that goal on the ice in total. Way too much. Yeah, I was a little surprised and, that one. I was I was a little surprised at one thing, Peter. The yeah. the deep pairing for killing the penalty was Bufflin and Sherratt. Right. Morrissey I mean, saw Morrissey, who was our, the best defenseman on the ice for Winnipeg last night. He tracked Ovechkin very well in a number of plays. Had a very good stick. He was very focused, and he saw a minute of OT. I mean, there, there's so much for Winnipeg fans to go through on this, and I won't bore the rest of the the, the viewers with the Winnipeg perspective again. But the Jets don't know how to play OT, and yes, OT is a different animal. But they treat it as the same as five on five. They attack the net thinking they can recover the puck if it doesn't go through. Every other team that I've watched play against the Jets holds on to possession. You've got the you've got the long change 
you've got the long, so you can shift off in your own zone when you have in the offensive zone, right? Because you've switched ends for the goalies. The Jets don't do that. They attack. And so on that, that goal where Kuznetsov got the puck, Wheeler waited too long to make a pass. He didn't peel back around and set up the play and let Bufflin get the zone. He passed it to Little. A diving stick and a good bounce. Kuznetsov picks it up. Wheeler at this point is broken stride and is skating because he's trying to cover the pass to the middle. Bufflin's, and he's thinking Buff's going to probably come in and pinch. Well, if Buff, if, if Wheeler starts striding back because he knows Buff's going to pinch, he gambled that Buffalo is going to make the pinch. He, and so he should have been already going. I mean, it's not like Buffalo was out of the play, but he's not the only one at fault. And and I get why he takes the blame on it because it looks like another Buffalo gaffe. Yeah. And, 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 and it does, but the jets have bad tactics in OT. They're two and eight. If they could just get to, five and five guess what they're tied with nashville for first in the west if they just had a 500 record no t yeah and, so and, many and and they're in a similar similar position that toronto is right now in the east in the sense that they're stuck in second they're going to be in second yeah. there's what seven points ahead of minnesota but they're behind nashville yeah. so you know in, in in the grand scheme of things they got the they got a point it, it's fine but i'm just saying you know buffalo especially in the playoffs you know you've got you've got to take that 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 sort of risk element out of your game and i, I realize that you know they don't have enstrom and they don't have uh truba um I, actually for a couple shifts and i didn't want like i said i didn't watch the entire game when he was on the ice i was a little i was impressed with with uh with pullman how i are they, is he just basically a bottom pairing guy or is this somebody who they he's, think can be? He's a bottom pairing guy and he's spent most of the season with the moose. They put, sent him back down once they got Morrow, um, for roster reasons. And also he just needs to be playing more. Yeah. One of the observations that, uh, that come with Poolman is the pace of the game at the NHL level. He's having some tr trouble with at times. Um, whether it's a reaction speed or a processing the game speed, you know what I mean? Like, does the body move fast enough or is the mind moving fast enough? Yeah. I think it's a little of each. Um, but you know, for a kid who literally has just come out of college four years of college and now is playing in, has played a significant role for the jets. I think he's holding his own and I think he's, there's a good upside to him, but I think, you know, the game, he's got to learn that speed. You, Things have to become instinctual to make the right decision, not do I think, do I do this? And I think there's a little bit of thinking going on. And I know, Russ, you've probably seen this in a ton of prospects over the I years have. and how they address that, right? Yeah, I mean, the funny thing is, is that there's only so much you could do with a guy if he doesn't think the game fast enough. Like, that's not something that really can be taught. It is innate. I saw him play the other night. I think he's okay. I don't know if he's a long-term guy, though, because – yeah, that's something that you have to be able to know. And if you don't, then it's hard to teach. You could you could definitely teach a guy how to play better defense, gap control, zone, and all that. Yeah. Up here, that's hard, man. Yeah, I can tell yeah. Kyle likes Kyle likes Pullman a lot. Um, all right, but right. now I sort of I sort of buried the lead here because the lead story is obviously Ovechkin with his six hundredth goal. Um, you know, I mean. It's we we we've taught the plaudits of Alex Ovechkin so much over the years that I'm sick. It's really sick of talking. I mean, he's a he's a phenomenal player. He's a Hall of Famer. I, I you know I, I'm one of those people though who don't who doesn't think that he's as great as he's 
as he's um, been promoted as being until he wins the Stanley Cup. And I know that he can do that all on his own, but he has come up small in the postseason a number of times. And to me, that that you know, I mean, it's the whole Barry Bonds thing with baseball, Russ. Or where, but, it's, but it's a small stain, Mike. Like at the end of the day, I forgot what the list was now for Ovechkin. But he's literally on a list with all-time guys like Brett Lemieux. And so, like, we haven't seen a guy scoring like this really since probably – yeah, really since the Gretzky era. Like, it's – he is that prolific. He's going to end up with seven, 800 goals. Yeah, I was going to ask, how far do you think – because they had a a list last night of players scoring for one particular team and the – the leader is how I think it was like a little under 800, 786 goals for one team, obviously the Red Wings. And and now Ovechkin has all 600 of his with with the Capitals. I, I think he's going to end up staying with the Capitals for the, his entire career, but you never know what can happen down the line. But how high do you think he can get? I don't think he's going to catch Gratsky. No, I don't. I think- I, I don't- I don't think so. I don't no. think of Kat Gretzky. He'll, but he'll I mean, pass Messier at six ninety four. He'll pass Gartner at seven oh eight. Esposito at seven seventeen. Dion at seven thirty. Once you get to the whole seven forty one, Yager seven sixty five. That's where I think he's gonna maybe get to. That's that that may be the height. I think Gordy's eight oh one or is safe. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know oh. the thing. I mean, the point about you know where. Ovechkin sits. He's one of four guys to score 600 and under a thousand games. And if you look at the other four guys or the other three, yeah, look at the era they did it in. I mean, it's it's actually incredible what he's done. It is. And 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 I think I think the one thing that should be agreed upon for NHL fans is that you you can't have a conversation about greatest goal scorers without Ovechkin in it. Sure. And, and I think, and, and, and you can but shake it down any way you want. Cause people nowadays will say, well, he's one dimensional. That's all he is. Well, you know, at the end of the day, that's all Luke Robitaille was too, but everybody right. loves oh, yeah. Robitaille. But everybody Look, values I, goal scoring. So yeah. It's... Yeah. You, you don't win without scoring goals. And, right. and in this league now, goal scoring is an all time premium historically. And, so you have to value it more. And one observation I had from that game last night, Russ, and then we'll move on to other games. Washington is going to play their top four to death. It's going to they be will. Yeah, oh, no doubt. Karloff, Carlson, Orpik, and Niskanen. And, you know, the, the, the bottom pairing is probably going to play eight, nine, ten minutes. Yep. I, I don't know how, you know, I, if they have one injury, they're done, or you know, it's one of those scenarios. I, I don't know how they can think that they can get through multiple rounds playing those top four guys twenty five minutes a night. I mean, we've seen Chicago do it. I mean, I know Orbic's a little bit old, but maybe he can get through it. I mean, they're they're definitely going to try. I mean, there's no question that's the plan, but plans sometimes change. Here's the the ace in the hole. Maybe, just maybe, at some point. They'll bring up Jonas Siegenthaler as just, you know, as an extra guy, mm-hmm. even though they'd probably rather see him play the playoffs and everything in Hershey. You know what? He could he could play a little bit. If you put him in small stints, he could be a decent defensive defenseman in spots. Maybe that's how they're going to get past it. Maybe just using, you know, one extra guy like that, it could help. I mean, Madison Bowie, maybe they'll give him a few more minutes. He's been playing pretty well. 
Yeah, I mean, and like I said, I, I I liked seeing him in the AHL. I thought he was a good player. I thought he had NHL capability. Um, they haven't used him a ton in terms of minutes, and they went out at the deadline and got you know guys like Kempney, uh, who were low low price yeah. depth additions, and they'll probably play him because he's got more experience in the playoffs. But I just think if you're going to play the, all those, I mean, Carlson is going to lug 27, 28 minutes a night. So is Orloff because he can skate. Um, okay, moving on to the game that you were at, the the Golden Knights and the Flyers. Now, this is the second time in less than a week that the Flyers blow a lead late in the third period. And for them, a, every point counts in that tight race in the Metro. Uh, they lose three to two on a it was a Ryan Carpenter scored the winner with less than a couple, yeah. less than three minutes left to go. Um, again, I watched a, a pretty good, decent chunk of that game. I can't blame Morazic for the winner because it was oh. just. It was just the Philadelphia defense got trapped in their own zone, but you know, I, you know, I think they need their goaltending to come up big and make that big save to earn them that point. And he didn't do it last night, but I can't blame him for the loss. No, I mean that first goal was fluky, right? I mean he did hit it with his stick and it went into the corner of the net. This was not a problem game for Morazic, but the problem in this game has been the same problem that we've talked about now two or three times, and that's sort of just locking it down at the end of the game. Fleury did it in that game. He, there were some definite good shots that could have gone in, but he locked it down. I think the problem is now is that the Flyers, and this is in concert, goalie and defense, it's not all on the goalie. The goalie is what everybody looks at and says, hey, he's the guy that should do it. He needs to lock it down. But it's it's a system too. But they have had trouble with this. And those that loss last night was bad. Now with – with Columbus coming in two points behind them, that's a must-win game now. You can't you can't afford to lose that game. If that game even goes into overtime, you've given Columbus a point. So yeah. that's a game they need to win in regulation, which, again, regulation wins aren't as easy for the Flyers as overtime wins. I'm never going to say shootout because it's still a bad shootout team, but overtime right. wins. So that's something now where we're going to see. Um, I do want to say, as far as Marc-Andre Fleury goes, mm-hmm. I, I, I've covered him since the draft. What was it? The 03 draft, right? Craig Patrick oh. traded up for him. Mm-hmm. Brilliant trade. I, I always say that that made the franchise. If he didn't do that, I everybody can say, hey, Crosby, Malkin, whatever, but you needed Flurry too. Right. Uh, just such a classy guy. Like I, I've, I've followed him since juniors. I've seen him play in the NHL, and we've seen him struggle this year with injuries, not with play, but with injuries. And one of the things he said really stuck with me. Like, he didn't want to take a bow for that great save he made, the glove save. He didn't even want to really discuss it. Yeah. Peter, Russ and I talked after the game, and I'm watching this game, and he makes an unbelievable glove save on Travis Sanheim in, I think it was late second or early third period. And I'm like, any goaltender out there, I'm not to, not to say that they wouldn't be patting themselves on the back, but would would acknowledge, would acknowledge like how great a save that was. And and when Russ is telling me that he was like sort of downplaying it, yeah, like, you, like, you, yeah, you know, I, I made the save, and then when they pushed him on, he's like, yeah, it was a good shot from the slot. Like that's that's all he would say. But that's the way this guy operates. And you know, he said, you never know if you're gonna how long you're gonna play. I've never heard Marc Andre Fleury talk that way before. Because yeah. Marc Andre Fleury in the past would never even broach that subject because he always just acted like he'd play forever, right? But now all of a sudden, that sort of has crept into it. So 
for him to get to 400 is a pretty big deal considering his concussion problems. And I think he's the 13th goalie to do it yeah. in NHL history. He's probably a Hall of Famer at this point because he's got yeah. a couple of cups under his belt. He's so we're watching, yeah. yeah, we're watching three. Yeah, for, two as a starter is where I always look at the yeah. starting ones. Um, at the end of the day, he's something pretty special. And, and he's a special guy, too. Like, he's a guy that is a real, like, star in the league but yeah. doesn't promote himself – and the league has never promoted him. Well, I, ha I have to say this, and, you know, this this is not really worth anything, but I think, you know, the NHL commercials that they do, the ones with, with uh, McDavid and Tyler yeah. Sagan, all of them seem like they're cardboard, except yeah. for Marc-Andre Fleury. Right, yeah. His is like, you know, he's like having a conversation. He's yeah. light. He's bubbly. Like, yeah. you know, they, you, how, how do you like – well, yeah, it's pretty hot. I mean, he's very he's – But very that's the way he is after a game. Like, it's just yeah. – and he was happy that he won in Philly because obviously with Pittsburgh, yeah. they had great rivalries with Philly. So that, that did make him smile. And But at the end of the day, that's the way he is. He is a happy-go-lucky guy. This yeah. guy has never had a bad day in his life, I'm telling you. You, you remember after that that um the world junior game there were some questions about his oh, psyche yeah. too and yeah, how yeah, he yeah. was going to bounce back and his first go with pittsburgh was a little iffy like you know yeah. he had used into it look but every goalie has that moment thing. right every goalie i mean yeah. look at mike Richter and, in the playoffs when he gave up like that 45 footer ranger fans yeah. wanted to lynch him he was a young goalie and everybody goes through that yeah but you know here's the interesting thing about flurry Taken num number one overall in 2003. Mm -hmm. There's only been three other goalies to go in the top 10 since then. Can you name them? Carrie Price. Yeah, Price is definitely one in Price. 05. Carrie Lettinen? I think no. Lettinen was beyond 10, so I'm going to say no on Lettinen. No, uh, he was he was a top five, but he may have been before he may have been before Flurry. I know. Oh, that's true. He may have been before. Yeah, Flurry. I know DP. Yeah. I know Di Pietro yeah. was. Di Pietro was two thousand though, so right. that's the problem yeah. with that. Uh, so since then, uh, oh, I'm gonna go um, Al Montoya. Yep, that's two. Thank you for reminding me of that, Peter. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, third, let me think. Uh, well, uh, Samsonov was Samsonov. I. No, no, he's in the twenties. He's in the twenties. No, twenties. Yeah, I can't think of the third. Go ahead. The other one is Jonathan Bernier. Oh yes, yeah, that's a good one. I made a mistake. He went eleventh. Yes, he went eleventh. Eleventh, my yeah. mistake. Yeah, I actually hang on. Yeah, actually, it was. There's a guy. I think it's Nate. He was drafted by. Where is he? I gotta find this now. I just saw it. Jack Campbell. Is that the oh, yeah, name? Yeah. Yeah, Jack Campbell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jack Campbell's still playing. I Jack forgot. Campbell. Yeah. yeah, no, he went 11th too. So actually, there's only two. And, and it's Montoya and, and Frank. And Jack Campbell was and Dallas then, and, and Bernier was was LA. So, yeah. Um, I mean, that just sh sh I mean, shows you how the draft has changed because you would see yeah. goalies in the top 10 before that. But it also shows you, you know, the way player, the way GMs and scouts look at goaltending now. But it also shows you a little bit of how special Flurry was early on. Yes, nobody People, will like he's top ten. He's a top again. ten pick. No, it'll never happen. No, never. And but it shows you kind of how special he was, but how Patrick believed in him and yes. saw something in him, and and that's really cool. And that's I, and I think that's, that's a really cool because I, I remember going over and interviewing him right after the move, and I think over time. And he was very, you know, look, Craig Patrick knew his hockey, right? He was a very successful GM. Sure. Uh, 
I just think over time, though, people have forgotten that about this well, part of his story. Well, the ama the amazing thing, like, and I'm pretty sure Di Pietro came in at 19 in in the NHL. He, he yeah, was that's about right. Yeah, I think he played yeah. one year at Boston U, yeah. and then right. Flurry came in as an 18 year old. He was like he was getting bombarded by playing for a bad Penguins team. This is the Penguins before oh, yeah. Cosby, before yeah. Malkin, before you know, before they had Jordan Stahl. You know, he was playing for a terrible team, and a lot of goaltenders at 19 and 20 years old facing 45 shots a night would you know not recover from that. And then, if you remember, after the cup win, he had those. Yeah, that series against Philadelphia, Russ. I mean, I remember people thinking that, he, that mentally he yeah. was not going to be able to recover from, you know, all the goals that he was giving up in that series and and the troubles that he had. There, in the there, playoffs. there were seven yeah. goals. <laughs> yeah, was it was seven in one game. Yeah, when Ilya Brizgalov is the better goalie of the two in a series, you have to you have to wonder what the hell's going on. But yeah, so, can you imagine? Imagine this, because this year has been so wacky. Anyways, imagine a situation. Where the Stanley Cup final is Vegas versus Pittsburgh. <laughs> hey, just just think about that for a second. Well, that's not out of the realms of the possibility. Well, I, I said I said I don't think either is going to make it, but it, it, it could happen. I said I to Russ, I said to Russ last night that the the one the one thing about Vegas uh, that I was impressed with, and you know they've impressed me all year. I did nobody expected this, you know, and and Russ said that their work their workmanlike effort throughout 60 minutes is incredible. Impressive. But the, a guy like Tatar, who they traded three draft picks for, he is sort of just fit in. It's like, it's not like he's the outside guy and he doesn't belong to this tight knit group. No. And that was the concern of not going to mess with the chemistry. No, he fit in right away. And he looks like he's part of the, you know, part of the puzzle. Yeah. I will say this. We mentioned Ryan Carpenter. We really do need to mention it in greater detail because he, he was picked up on waivers December 3rd, 12th, and the Sharks waived him, and he's played in 23 games, and he's got eight goals and 12 points. Another kid out of Florida. Think about this for a minute. What George McPhee has done, and, and David Conte is their pro scout, so he gets full credit for getting him. Uh, a kid out of college, and David Conte has scouted many a college guys, was doing it for – for Lou Lamarillo for many, many years with the Devils. Yes. This is a hell of a pickup on a waiver wire for a team that now could use him, you know, next couple of years if they want to, or just use him this year. He's 27 years old, but he was really thankful. Carpenter was just like, you know, yesterday just blown away that he, you know, won the game and where they are and where how he's landed. It's pretty amazing. Yeah, and you you mentioned Columbus. They beat they beat the Canadians yesterday five to two, and you were mentioning that they had this game coming up against the Flyers. Well, Seth Jones got hurt in that game, and it was ironic because a couple of writers that I respect were out there last night saying, you know, Seth Jones deserves some, uh, you know, some credit and some notice for the Norris because he's had a really good year, and then he gets hurt, and you know. There, that's a nip and tuck battle right now with Columbus, with Carolina, with Philadelphia, with New Jersey, and if they lose Seth Jones for a for a lengthy time period, that's really going to hurt Columbus. Oh yeah, it's that's going to be massive. And he was scoring; he was, you know, yeah. It's that's going to take Columbus right off the rails, given things, you know, given the competition in the East. Yeah. Now, Florida has been making a pretty hard charge 
uh, over the re- last three or four. I, I know, you know, Leaf fans calm down. It's like they, they saw the Leafs with a 20 point, 21 point lead on Florida. And all of a sudden it's down to 12. And they're like, there's some who are starting to panic. And I'm like, they had five games in hand. They were going to close. They were going to close the gap a little bit, but key loss last night. They lose to Ottawa five, three in Florida again, in front of like, 10,000 fans who are who are disguised as empty seats but Russ I mean that, that's that's the team that I think if it's it, obviously they're they're aiming for a wild card again Luongo was not on last night and if Luongo isn't on they're not winning no I mean they really need Luongo to be at his best the the interesting thing about this is you know Bill Meltzer pointed out like a couple days ago that hey they had a have a strong um home schedule and I don't know if that's the full reason that they were playing this well, because you could still lose games at home. I guess, was this another home game? Yeah. Okay. So this was another home game. So, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, I guess the road is where they're really going to be tested because I have a feeling they'll stay hot at home, but we'll see what they do on the road. That's going to be the thing. But Luongo can't keep playing all these games. I agree with you. Uh, If Reimer can't, play the occasional game and win it, then maybe call up Adam Wilcox from the minors, from the AHL, and try him. But they're not going to do that, right, because they've spent a lot of money on Reimer. Somehow they've got to get him in the mix and win some games because just like Keith Kincaid in New Jersey, he pretty much saved their season and helped Schneider recover from all his injuries. Well, Luongo has recovered, but he he can't play that kind of schedule down the stretch. Um, in the news today, um, Elliot Friedman reports that Mike Fuda, who was named as one of uh, many on the list of Car- uh, Carolina owner Thomas Dundon's uh, potential GM candidates, uh, he's withdrawn from the from, from consideration for that. Russ, you you sort of called this. I mean, he's got it really comfortable in in, in L.A. Very happy there, as far yeah. as I can tell. Yeah, and and the thing is, I, I think you know he's young enough that he's gonna have opportunities to be a oh, GM, yeah. but it's gonna it's gonna be probably on his terms, and you know his reputation I think is sealed because I mean he he's got a great eye for talent. I remember a few years ago he was the guy that I wanted, and I thought was the dark horse for the Leafs job, and then they went establishment and they went with Lou and I and I think that's I mean, just, you know, great. Foley is one of his his best ones right yeah they hung out they hung with Forbert for Forbert's turned into a nice player Jake yeah. Muzzin is a great one like there's just so many that you could go through with with Michael Food or so many successes yeah Muzzin was a redraft he was a yes yeah Which, and so, yeah again that's you know they're they're good at that I I think Dundon's gonna have a problem here though because he, I think he's portrayed himself a certain way, and now to get one of these great assistants that are very comfortable in the jobs that they're at, either waiting for that job, which I don't think food is necessarily waiting for that job, but I don't know, um, either waiting for that job or waiting for another or just happy with what they're doing, it's going to be hard to pry away one of these assistants. So Dundon may have to go completely outside of that plan and end up with like his fourth or fifth choice. It wouldn't shock me if it goes that way. Or, or he has to wait until the off season because some some yeah. of these assistant GMs aren't going to aren't going to want to leave, uh, you know, their team. Well, Bottero left in season, though he did. Yeah, I remember that's it true. happened. 
Uh, Jack Eichel, his, uh, well, he's been skating for a while with the Sabres. Uh, he was uh, on the ice uh, today at the Key Bank Center, and there's speculation that he will return against Toronto on Thursday. You know, I, whenever – this is – now, I, I was told that his high ankle sprain that he had, which was last month, was not the same leg. I thought it was, but it was a different leg. But, okay, you've got 10 games left in the season, 10, 12 games at most. I, you know – it's hard this, to shut down a guy like Jack Eichel. This though, guy is important to this franchise. I, I, I just, you know, I know, but he also wants to have something to go into the summer with down the stretch to sort of motivate him for the next year. Like this is, it's a battle. Like how, you know, how do you tell this guy you're better off shutting it down? It's hard to do that, and so you have to trust that the medicals are good, and he's not going to be able to re-injure it. We'll see. Yeah. I thought this was pretty funny. Um, you know, this, there are some people who are very creative on Twitter. The NHL announced that Andrew Ference was joining the league as the director of social impact <laughs> growth and it. fan development. And Peter, you, you were laughing, so you must have seen it. The, immediately after that video, after, after that announcement, the video of him flipping the bird, the bird. at the Bell Center to the, to the Habs fans. Yeah. Was was out there. Nothing is better than that video. I, I yeah, I know it it's, like it's hilarious. One. All right, Russ. Do we have any questions in the chat? Yeah. All right. Let's see. Uh, da, 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 da. I'm going all the way back here. So give me a minute. Uh, okay. Yes, Tim Tebow is one for seventeen with ten strikeouts. What a shot! <laughs> Russell Wilson has hit better than Tim Tebow at Yankees camp, Russ. Not shocking. All right, how likely – this is from goal, from goal, whatever, left. I'm not sure what the rest is. How likely is that Ilya Kovalchuk comes back and where is he signed? How much is he looking for? Okay. He's going to try and come back with the Rangers. Uh, I don't know if the Rangers want him. He'll sign for probably like $5 bucks. If the Rangers get in, if the Rangers get in on Tavares, I could see them going at going after Kovalchuk because they need right. to give him a win. Right. Maybe not, maybe not him, but another scoring option. I think it'll be a one year deal, like five million bucks, and I think it'll end up being the Rangers. And if it's not the Rangers, he might even look to to the Island, and maybe the Islanders would do that. Especially if they lose Tavares, they might try and fill that void with Kovalchuk in well, a different he- position. If he's bound and determined to stay in the New York area, then that makes sense. All I know is that I've heard just around uh, that, you know, the Leafs are probably losing Van Riemsdyk to free agency this summer. And we know the connection between Lou and Kovalchuk going back to the Devils days. You know, if the, if, if he's looking for a one-year deal, yeah, I think the Leafs would be in on that because – I agree. He would be a he would be a good one year replacement, but I don't think they would. I don't think anybody's going to go more than a year because he's thirty five years old and the thirty five and over contract is a consideration. Yep. Uh, also from the same guy, goal whatever question. Do we know who possibly who could possibly pull the butcher Kerfoot move this summer? I I don't know of any right offhand. Well, where I, I have to I have to give Corey Corey Pronman uh, props because he did a. Uh, a a uh, list of uh, undrafted free agents and and pro pro picks. No, but this is a drafted free agent. This is right, a drafted right, right. And and dra- and drafted guys who are going to uh, not resign with their teams. 
Uh, and one one name that popped up, and I don't know if he's any relation to the former NHL Craig, but Christian Wolan, a defenseman from uh, who was drafted by the Senators, he's leading uh, North Dakota in scoring right now, and apparently he's talking about not just going pro and not signing with Ottawa and being a uh, a college free agent. So um, yeah, I don't think he's at the level, even though he might be leading North Dakota in scoring, I don't think he's at the level of Butcher or Kerfoot, to be honest. No, no. And I, I, like, I, I'm only giving you the names that he mentioned. Dylan Sakura, who was a draft pick of the, of the Blackhawks. Um, Louis uh, Belpito, a defenseman with the University of Minnesota or uh, with the Minnesota Wild. Yeah, Belpito, I, I, I like Belpito. I think there's something there, but again, you're probably talking about a third pairing guy in the NHL if he were to make it, right? And Jake Evans, a center mm -hmm. drafted by the Canadians, Jake Evans has had a great year. Like, I don't know if Jake Evans will keep that up or if he's doing that because he's a senior, right? Yeah, so. I'm not as high on Jake Evans, but Belpito, I do happen to like. We'll see. I mean, again, if you want to just talk free agents, you know, Max Verana, I think he'll be the first guy signed whenever Princeton loses. But right now, Princeton's still in it. So, yeah, we got to remember. We got to remember though that the it, not every year is going to be Butcher and Kerfoot and Beast. Correct. You know, you, you ha you'll have years where it's very thin. You'll have years when there's a couple guys who could be – not star – I don't want to yeah. say stars, but who will be effective contributors. Nobody's really been a star. Butcher is probably the closest. Yeah. And, and VC's been good. Yeah. I mean, Tyler Bozak back in the day. I mean, Yeah, Bozak's very good. Adam, yes. Adam Oates way, way – Yeah, Adam say. Oates is the star, right? But that's yeah. – it's so rare. So Butcher is the closest to that. Yeah, any more questions? Oh, yeah. All right, one more question from Thomas. Uh, who do we think will win the cup this year? We're not revealing that now, Thomas. Oh, jeez. <laughs> yeah, well, hey, we, we have a, we a, a pre-show. We have a, uh, a Stanley Cup playoff preview show. Watch that, and we'll give it, and we'll make our predictions then. Uh, all right, guys. Good show. Uh, we will be back tomorrow. I will be in Toronto, so uh, we won't know what time until we get a, get a hold of that. Yeah, we, we got to coordinate. We have to coordinate our timing here, so we will let everybody know via Twitter what time we'll be doing the show. I'll be doing it from a coffee place. Hopefully, they'll shut the music down. Uh, <laughs> for for Peter Tessier, for Russ Cohen, I'm Michael Agello. Thanks for watching, and remember, without the buzz, it's just hockey. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.